Game day is right around the corner, Super Bowl 56, and there's still one thing the Rams have not done all postseason that they're going to need to do to call themselves world champions. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's podcast is brought to you by GetUpside. Make sure you get that GetUpside app on your phone. You can start earning cash back at the pump right away, but you need to put that GetUpside app on your phone. Thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day, your team every single day. Make sure that you subscribe to the Locked on Rams podcast feed. Let's make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. My name is Travis Rogers. I am getting very, very excited for Super Bowl 56 coming up here in just a little bit. I do the Rams pregame show, the halftime show, the postgame show, and I'll be at SoFi Stadium coming up on Sunday, and we'll have everything you need about that game coming up next week as well. So make sure that you check us out. Uh, coming up next Monday, just a couple of days from now, hopefully we're having a party here on Locked on Rams or we're talking about, well, the other thing that happened. But let's talk about what needs to happen coming up in that game, coming up on Sunday in Super Bowl 56, because the Rams have put themselves in a really unique position, obviously a chance to win the Super Bowl. But more uniquely, I think, is the fact that they're here and they still have not found a way to play two really clean halves of football in one game. I get it. It's the playoffs. Not everything goes exactly according to plan. That sometimes your game plan isn't going to be smooth and silky and everything you try works and everything your opponent tries doesn't work. I I get that. But let's take a look at the three playoff games that the Rams have had to get here and kind of break it down half by half and see if there's a trend heading into the Super Bowl. Let's go all the way back to the wild card round, which feels like about a million years ago at this point. But the Rams open up at home against SoFi against the Arizona Cardinals. In retrospect, probably the exact team that the Rams would have picked if you're talking about starting a playoff run. You want somebody you're familiar with. You want somebody that you've had a great deal of success with, somebody that you have a great deal of confidence with going into this game, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. Sean McVay's lost to them one time in his entire career as a head coach of the Rams. That was earlier this season, and he got that squared away very quickly. So what happened in that game? The Rams win the game comfortably. But in the first half, everything the Rams tried worked. Everything that they needed to do offensively and defensively worked. It was one of those very rare playoff games that's kind of comfortable, right? Most playoff games are kind of dirty and messy and tension-filled and anxious and all of those things that make this stuff fun. But that playoff game against the Arizona Cardinals was pretty perfunctory. It was pretty easy as far as NFL playoff games go. The Rams come out to a 21 to nothing lead at the halftime and you're feeling okay, they got this one in the back pocket. Now, the second half, a little bit of a different story. They did not look like they looked. They give up no points in the first half. They give up 11 points in the second half. They score 21 points in the first half, only 13 in the second half. Now, you could argue and I think it's a good argument that the reason it was so different in the second half is that the Rams back-pocketed this thing. That the Rams realized we're not losing this game. They can't beat us. We have too big of a lead. We're too good of a team. They're not quite ready for this. So let's, whatever we were planning on doing in the second half, put it away. Don't put it on tape. Don't let anybody see what we, we can, we can save some of our powder, right? We'll keep this for a, another day. So you had a really brilliant first half and then a second half that was just kind of flat and uninspired, but it did start a trend. 
Let's go to the second playoff game in the divisional round against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know if I've seen the Rams play a better half of football all season long than they did against Tampa in the first half. They they take a 20 to three lead at the half and it should have been bigger, right? It probably should have been 27 at the worst 23 Cam Akers fumbles on the goal line. We remember that one. That was the beginning of the, Hey, what's going on here? But everything that the Rams tried to do worked. They were able to move the ball very, very effectively on offense. They were able to be good in the red zone. They hit a couple of big plays, and their defense was all over Tom Brady. Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, just absolutely creating chaos in the backfield. And that game, for a half, felt like the Rams were getting ready to run them out of their own building. Felt like they were going to send the defending champs home with one of those really weird, hey, you remember how Tom Brady's career ended where they lost to the Rams 45-10? to 10? It felt like it was headed in one of those directions, that the greatest quarterback of all time's final game in the league came in a 35-point loss. It felt like that's where it was headed. And then the Rams did that thing that they've done a lot this season, and in particular in this postseason, the second half, a totally different story. They lose the second half 24-10. to 10. Now, they still win the game 30-27, to 27, but we remember what happened. They had to hit uh, the, what, the love of the game route to Cooper Cup, right? The big play down the middle of the field, 43 seconds left, no timeouts. They got to go and drive about 50 yards. They get it done. They kick the field goal. They win the game, and every Rams fan in the world was like, "Woo! how in the world did we escape with that one? But they did, but it was a really good illustration of – one half where everything's cooking, and then another half where nothing was quite right. The defense was out of gas. They were on the field almost the entire second half. The offense got a little stale. The offense got a little predictable. They had the turnover bug. Cooper Cup fumbles. Cam Akers fumbles again. You had that weird snap that goes by uh, Matthew Stafford's head. You lose about 30 yards on that one. You even had a turnover in your own end that you turned around and gave it right back. Just a very sloppy half of football. And the Rams did the thing that almost never happens. They turned it over a million times on the road in a playoff game against an elite player in Tom Brady and still won. They got lucky to escape that game the way that they did. Not to win the game, but to escape it the way that they did. So one half, great. Second half, not good. Kind of a a, a, a little bit further down the road of what we saw in Arizona. Instead of just saying, okay, we'll put it in our back pocket, it was, hey, we can't shoot straight all of a sudden. So that's interesting, right? Let's go to the third playoff game against the uh, San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. You all remember that one, too. A little bit of the opposite, but also the exact same thing. One half of football that just didn't look like much at all, and then a half where, oh, there it is. That's the team that we've been looking for all season long. The first half, the Rams only score seven points. The Rams can't get anything going. They throw an interception in the red zone, throw an interception at the goal line, and they can't do anything. And it felt unbelievably familiar to what we've seen them do against San Francisco over and over again. The good news is the defense was pretty good, but still gives up 10 points. You go into the half, you're behind 10 to 7, and it was not your good half of football. Now, the good half showed up later exactly when they needed it. They do what they do in the second half. They win the game. Well, 13 to 7 in the second half is what they do, but they end up winning the game altogether. They have the field goals, they have the touchdown in the fourth quarter, three scores in the fourth quarter. So, what does all of this mean? What it means is, is that the Rams have been remarkably inconsistent in the playoffs, and yet they still find a way to advance. That usually, if you can't put together a full game in the postseason, you're at home watching the postseason. You're at home with the other, what well, we have 30 other teams in the league at this point that have not figured out a way to get to this far into the season. The Rams have kind of defied convention and had one half that's been really good and another half that's been far less than the other. 
and yet they're still alive. So the question is, can you do that again against the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl? And you know what? Maybe, right? It, it does feel like you have a little bit of wiggle room in this game. Not that Cincinnati's not a good team. We've spent a lot of time on this. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase remind me a lot of Jerry Rice and Joe Montana a million years ago, kind of guys that just win. They just show up and they win things and there's a connection and it just works right out of the gate. They remind me a lot of those guys, but I also feel that this is not a team, Cincinnati we're talking about, that's going to go out and score 35, 42 points. That's just every time you make a mistake, they're going to punch it in and make you pay for it. I think that there's something a little bit less than that. I think that they're going to be more methodical. They're going to kick more field goals. They're not going to, they're not nearly as explosive as, for instance, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are with a guy like Tom Brady, with a guy like Mike Evans. I think they can survive it. Now, if you can find a way to play three really good quarters, you have a chance to win this game. You have a chance to bring the first world championship to Los Angeles. You have a chance to do something that we haven't seen anybody here in L.A. do since the Raiders did it back in the early 80s. Okay, There's not been a world series, or excuse me, a, a world championship team, a Super Bowl team here in L.A. since the early 80s. That's really hard to imagine. That's a long time ago. I was, I was still in school at that point. That's how long ago that was. So it's a very big opportunity for them to do it, but you're going to have to find a way to kind of smooth out the difference between the two halves. I think they will have a lead. We know what Sean McVay is like with a lead, 47-1 and one with the lead at halftime, but we also know that Joe Burrow is one of those guys that can come back and do all sorts of other things as well. Okay, so let's talk about that next, right? What are the three most important things that they need to do to win that game, to have a locked-on Ram show on Monday that's a celebration and talking about all the things that went right as opposed to all the things that went wrong. But first, get upside. It's here in L.A. The game is here in L.A. I'm here in L.A. There's a pretty good chance you are in L.A. Make sure that you put the Get Upside app on your phone, right? All the Rams fans out there, everybody that's listening, maybe you're a, a sneaky Bengals fan is trying to get a little uh, information on on, on your the, your opponent this week. Put the Get Upside app on your phone as well. Enter the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you're going to get 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. You don't have to pay full price at the pump anymore. You get the cash back using the Get Upside app. Just download it for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and they're going to give you $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. So if you drive a lot, and there's a very good chance that you do, because most of us do, and certainly here in Southern California you do, you can make up to two or 300 bucks a year in cash back. No catch. Cashback app gets added right to your account. You can put it in your bank account. You can put it on PayPal. You can put it on gift cards, Amazon, however you want to do it. But you got to put the app on your phone first, right? Get upside. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you're going to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cashback on your first tank. Don't forget the promo code TOUCHDOWN. Just because we're getting close to the end of the football season doesn't mean that Bet Online doesn't have you covered all season long. More props, odds, lines than ever before as we get close to the end of the football season, right up to you know what coming up in just a couple of days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news the entire season. And it's not just football. Even though that's just about over, BetOnline has up-to-the-minute information on pro and college basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates, a current game. So whatever you like to play, whatever your sport of choice is, Bet Online has you covered. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. And it's here, and it's almost over, believe it or not. It's Super Week, brought to you by Get Upside, and there is no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast, Locked On Bengals, and right here, Locked on Rams. We are all here in L.A. covering the game 
all week long. Okay, so the three things that need to happen for the Rams to be champs come Monday morning. For the Rams to be called the first Los Angeles Super Bowl champion since the Los Angeles. The Raiders have been to two other cities since then, right? The Raiders have been back to Oakland, and now they're in Las Vegas. That's how long it's been since uh, the city of Los Angeles has been able to have a Super Bowl-winning football team And we're just a couple of days away from being able to say that again. So the number one thing, I feel like I've said this a thousand times because it's that important. The Rams need to not throw interceptions. And I shouldn't even say the Rams need to not throw interceptions. Matthew Stafford needs to not throw interceptions. If he can play cleanly. Now, look, we saw what happened against San Francisco. He threw up a jump ball that Chikwaski Tart just dropped. I would prefer not to see that again, but I do think that it's 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 the difference, right? That we're talking about a quarterback that when he doesn't throw a pick, this is this is not a euphemism. This is the truth. When he has not thrown an interception, zero interceptions in a game, they have not lost. That seems like a pretty good formula to not losing again. That if you don't give them short fields, if you don't give them free points, pick sixes, if you don't give them additional opportunities, and not just that they have additional opportunities as well, but you are taking opportunities off of your own board, right? Not only do they get a chance, but you just lost a chance. I think that's the number one thing going into this game. If they throw one interception, the Rams are about a 50-50 proposition, a little bit better than that. They've been 5-4 and four this season when he throws one interception. But, okay, now we're down to a coin flip. Anybody want that? Nope. If he throws more than one interception, the Rams lose more than they win. Now, that's probably true of just about anybody. You can't really escape a bunch of interceptions along the way, but the Rams, it literally is that straight of a line. Zero interceptions, never lose. One interception, 50-50. More than one interception, odds are you're going to come home without a win. That's how important it is that he plays well. That's how important it is that he makes good decisions. And look, there's a, there's a scenario that exists where the Rams are behind. They were they, against San Francisco. They were tied late in the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's a chance he's going to have to push. There's a chance he's going to have to be aggressive. There's a chance he's going to have to maybe take some chances along the way that you might not want to. So let's make sure that those passes, those opportunities, those moments – are interception free because if they are, I think they are in an unbelievable. I would, I, I really don't see a scenario where the Rams have a zero interception game and they lose. I guess it's possible. I guess Joe Burrow could go bananas and throw for five touchdowns or whatever it is. And, you know, somebody else could be like fumble a bunch of times again. I, I guess it exists, but I don't think it's very likely. I mean, think, think about it. The Rams fumbled four times and found a way to win a game. That's how good Matthew Stafford was in that game. If he can be anything near that, they are in very, very good shape. So let's go to the number th- uh, the second reason. Number two, you need to do almost the opposite of what I just said to the other guy. You need to get to Joe Burrow. You need to make sure that he is in distress the entire game. Now, I get that he's pretty good when he has to move. I get that he's an athlete. I get that he can move his feet. I get that he can throw on the run. I understand those things that he's not a statue. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He's not one of those guys that you know exactly where he's going to be, and maybe he'll dip a shoulder. Maybe he'll step up in the pocket or whatever it might be. He's going to move. That being said, there's no there's nobody out there that's better on the move than they're not on you know setting up and deciding and stepping into a throw and ripping it and letting it go. And think about what the Rams have coming in. You need to hit him. You need to harass him. You need to turn him over. What the Tennessee Titans were able to do was sack him nine times. What they were not able to do 
was get the ball out. What they were not able to do was rattle him to the point where he's seeing ghosts, where he's deciding, you know, I, I, I don't want to deal with this again. I'm getting rid of this, taking some bad throws, making bad decisions, pushing the ball down the field maybe a little bit earlier than he's supposed to, and that leads to interceptions. We know how those things work. If they get back there, and they almost certainly will, we're talking Aaron Donald, we're talking Vaughn Miller, we're talking Leonard Floyd, we're talking all of these guys that have unbelievable abilities to get to the quarterback. If they can do that, if they can make him run for his life early in the game and continue that pressure throughout the entire game, it's another one of those things. I don't know how they get out of that. Because as good as Tennessee's defense was that day, nine sacks, we'll say it again, right? As good as those guys were, they don't have Aaron Donald. They don't have Leonard Floyd. They don't have Vaughn Miller. Those guys not only get back there, they knock that ball loose. And I don't care how tough Joe Burrow is, he is. I don't care how cool, calm, and collected he is, he is. I don't care if he's got the Kavorka, like Kramer from Seinfeld, which he might, where everybody just kind of loves this guy, and he's he's the, the center of attention, and he wears it really well. If you keep getting hit in the face by Aaron Donald, eventually you're gonna not you're gonna decide I don't want to get hit in the face by Aaron Donald. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And if my other option is get hit in the face by Vaughn Miller, no thank you. If the other option after that is Leonard Floyd coming off the edge at 100 miles an hour to try to take me out, I don't love that either. So I think that's the second most thing. Number one, Matthew Stafford, no interceptions. Number two, make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. I don't know if you have to turn him over 10 times like they did against Tennessee, but I think if you get back there, I think if you make him get rid of the ball a little more quickly, I think if you make him worry about his own personal safety, I think that's an unbelievable advantage that the Rams have. That would be number two. And number three, and this may be the most difficult thing, and this may be where Sean McVay has struggled the most in his head coaching career. That balance between being aggressive without being reckless. It's a its a really narrow little lane, right? You want to push. You want to do what you do. You get a lead or whatever it might be. Continue to try to put points on the board. Continue to try to grow that lead. Continue to try to snuff them out. Don't let them have an opportunity. While at the same time saying, hey, listen, we do have a lead. Let's not do anything reckless. Let's not turn it over. How do you play? How do you continue to be aggressive without giving your opponent a lot of opportunities? That's a very narrow area for Sean McVay to try to live in. I really do think that there's going to be a point in this game where the Rams have a 10-point lead, maybe a 13-point lead. I think that that feels like this is a game. I think that the Bengals are probably even comfortable with that at one point or another. They, they'd probably choose not to live in that area, right? Who wouldn't? I mean, everybody would rather play with a lead, I would assume. But if they're down 10, 13, maybe even 14 points, I think the Bengals are okay. We saw it. They were down 21-3 to in Kansas City against arguably the best team in that half of the draw, and they won the game. So they're not they're not intimidated by the fact of being behind. So Sean McVay needs to continue to score points, continue to try to put things on the board. Let's go back to that AFC Championship game. I think it's a good example of what the Chiefs were trying to do that the Rams need to avoid. Towards the end of the first half, the Chiefs in the red zone try to run one more play to get a touchdown opportunity right, right before the half to really bait honestly, probably put the game away for good because instead of it being 21 to three, it's 28 to three, right? But it doesn't go like that. They run a play and the clock expires. They don't even get a chance to kick the field goal, to take the three extra points. That's what I'm talking about. If it's not there, that scenario, right? Let's say there's 10 seconds left. You got a chance to take a shot in the, take a shot in the end zone. Let's make a, 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 let's be aggressive. Let's try to get that extra touchdown. Let's try to put the, the extend the lead but not at the expense of not taking the three points that you have in your back pocket. 
Make sure that that field goal still has enough time. Make sure that that's either a touchdown or an incomplete pass. The clock stops. Run Matt Gay out there. Hit a little chippy. Put three more on the board. And because I, I guarantee you Cincinnati went in a half like how, how, are, how in the world are we still in this game? How, how are we still here considering what they did, considering what we did, and a little bit of bounce? Those are the opportunities. Those are the examples, I think, of what Sean McVay needs to do. Be aggressive. Do what you do. Throw the ball. Push it to Cooper Cup. Push it to OBJ. Continue to run the ball. But at the same time, don't be reckless. And all of a sudden, hey, that, that two-touchdown lead, now we're down four. Now we're up four. And we didn't even do anything. We just sat on the ball a little bit. We didn't try to push or you threw an interception or you had a pick six or you had a special teams gaffe or whatever it might be. Be aggressive without being reckless. I think that's the third most important thing that the Rams absolutely need to do uh, this Sunday to be called Super Bowl champions. That sounds good. I like saying that. I, like, I hope I get to say that for the foreseeable future. Locked on Rams, home of the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams where we talk about everything Rams. So, okay. Who are we doing this for, right? You remember the old movie, The Outside. We'll do it for Johnny. It's the do it for Johnny Super Bowl for the Rams. I'll tell you who they're going to do it for. That is coming up next. Let me tell you about Built Bar first, right? We're into February, middle of February. Are you still hanging in there? Are you still making good decisions with your food? Are you still going to the gym? Are you still trying to make that New Year's resolution, uh, resolution a reality? Have you added Built Bar to the routine? You should. Covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, there's puffs included. 100% real chocolate, and they just taste great. You candy bars, that's the bad choice. Some of those other uh, protein bars and stuff, you know what they taste like. I, I, I don't want to say it here, but you know what it is. They just do not taste good. You give up. You start eating all the other stuff that you're supposed to. What you're looking for is low-calorie, high-protein, bars that's built bar replace your candy bars with these they're better they're just here, here's what you get 130 calories four grams of sugar four net carbs 17 grams of protein that's what you're looking for go look at that compared to some of these other things you're gonna be blown away it's the easiest choice in the world mint brownie coconut coconut almond all the new flavors go check them out for yourself here's how you do it built.com use the promo code locked 15 and you're gonna get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And it is just about here, right? Just coming up on February 13th, Super Bowl 56 here in Los Angeles. And you got to be there. You got to support the Rams. You got to support your team, Phillips SoFi with blue, yellow, and that new white that they're going to be wearing on Super Bowl Sunday that you are going to love. You can scour resellers to buy an overpriced ticket closer to the day, but don't wait. You can lock in the Super Bowl experience of a lifetime right now with our friends at On Location. True 50-yard line seats only available with On Location. An invite to celebrate on the field with the champs, On Location. And it's not just about game day. Exclusive Super Bowl weekend events across LA, pregame parties featuring A list music talent, and so many other things you will not believe it. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is offering you the most exclusive ticket packages available, period. On location exp.com slash SB56, or even better, search Super Bowl on location. That's Super Bowl on location to get yourself to LA the right way. Okay, so the do it for Johnny portion of this, right? That you remember do it for Johnny, right? Maybe not. Maybe maybe you're you're a podcast listener, so maybe you don't quite understand. And by the way, thank you for checking out Locked on Rams. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you review. Make sure you tell everyone that you possibly know to check out Locked on Rams. But before Daniel LaRusso 
became Daniel LaRusso on Cobra Kai and ruined a franchise for hundreds of thousands of people. He was in The Outsiders. And Matt Dillon, before he had those giant horse teeth and something about Mary, he was in The Outsiders. And then Johnny got caught in a fire and he died before they fought the Soches. And so they're going to do it for Johnny, man. We'll do it for Johnny, right? So who are the Rams going to do it for? Who are the Rams trying to make sure is the guy that has the Super Bowl championship, kind of the cherry on top of their Sunday, the thing that lets them be Super Bowl champions for the rest of their life. None of that, yeah, but, hey, he never, or he, hey, but, yeah, he was really good, but, right, Dan Marino. How often do you hear the Dan Marino conversation? And it's always, Dan Marino's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he never won a Super Bowl. So who are the most important players for the Rams to try to avoid that for? The do-it-for-Johnny game, right? Number one, first and foremost, it has to be Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's the best player on this team. Aaron Donald is probably the best player in the league. And I'm not saying he's the best defensive tackle in the league. I'm not saying he's the best defensive player in the league. Aaron Donald is probably the best football player in the entire NFL and has been for some time. Let's get that guy a Super Bowl. Let's make sure that Aaron Donald's resume is not... Aaron Donald was the most ferocious defensive player of his era only he never won a Super Bowl despite getting to, at this point, two of them. Let's take that off the board. Let's make sure that that's not something that's said about Aaron Donald. I think he's number one. I think that if you're doing that impassioned speech, when Sean McVay brings everybody together and says, guys, I just want to tell you what's on the line here. I think Aaron Donald is this guy at this point in his career and doesn't have this is part of that conversation. And then right behind him, just right behind him, Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth, Aaron Donald's going to go to the Hall of Fame, right? Aaron Donald has already had the credentials that are going to secure his spot in Canton, Ohio. I don't think that's true of Andrew Whitworth, maybe. And I'd like to see it happen for him because he just won the Walter Payton Award. Congratulations to him. That's an amazing accomplishment, an amazing award that you are the best citizen in the NFL. That's that's something. That's really, really cool. That being said... I don't know if he ends up in the Hall of Fame one day. He is a multiple-time Pro Bowler. He changed the entire culture of this Rams team when he came over. There's a great piece the other day about how he would have like a little tutorial session for younger offensive linemen when he came over, kind of teaching them some of the techniques that he'd learned in his million years in the NFL. It's against his former team. It's almost certainly his final game in the NFL. Having a Super Bowl ring for Andrew Whitworth I think is incredible important so do it for Johnny let's do it for Andrew Whitworth I think Matthew Stafford is probably the third guy after that I think that Stafford is the guy that is going to be remembered as the guy that got stuck on a bad team and then when he finally had an opportunity to go to a good team it popped if he goes one for one with the Rams and then whatever happens next, by the way, maybe they'll get another one. Maybe there will be a second one. Who knows what happens beyond this year? But if he spent 12 years in Detroit and it was a big, loud nothing, right? A couple of playoff appearances, no wins, bad teams, just terrible ownership, bad coaches, just the, the whole thing. You can kind of write all of that off as, like, he just got bad luck. The second you put him in the right spot, boom, Super Bowl. I think that's an incredibly valuable opportunity for him, for the Rams, for his legacy, for whatever potential Hall of Fame candidacy he might have. That Super Bowl kind of takes him to a whole nother level. And then lastly, you know who's on this list? And it's it's odd because he's one of the few remaining St. Louis Rams. It's Aaron Donald, uh, Rob Havenstein, and this guy, Johnny Hecker. Do it for Johnny, right? Johnny Hecker was arguably the best player on this team not named Aaron Donald when they came to L.A. He was the punter. 
is the punter. So really, we're talking about the punter is the do it for Johnny guy. Yeah, he he was the face of this team for a while. As weird as that sounds, before Jared Goff took over, before Todd Gurley really kind of took off, Aaron Donald doesn't say a whole heck of a lot. As great as he is, you need somebody that's going to talk. That was Johnny Hecker. And he was doing almost trick shots with his punts. It was it was a pretty remarkable turn of events that he was able to do because he would he would he took a terrible terrible Rams team and kind of would keep them in games. They didn't win a lot of games, but the only reason they were in games is because everybody that played against the Rams they had to drive ninety four yards to, to score a touchdown. Right, the Rams defense was halfway decent. You make them go ninety four yards over and over and over again. That's because Johnny Hecker's constantly dropping it inside. Johnny Hecker probably will end up in the Hall of Fame. Okay, we'll we'll see. You know, not a ton of punters are in there, but if they are going to put another one in, he's probably on the list. He's had a remarkable career. I think he's in the do it for Johnny category. Longtime Ram, great deal of success, been here a long time, been a, a loyal teammate, been a very valuable member of the community. And I think I'd like to see him get one as well, just having been around the team as long as he has. So we've got Andrew, or I should say Aaron Donald, Andrew Whitworth, Matthew Stafford, and Johnny Hecker as our do it for Johnny players going in to Super Bowl 56. Okay. Thank you very much for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. Your team every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast feed. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And coming up on Monday, we will have all things Super Bowl 56. So make sure you check us out first thing Monday morning. For your second listen, you know what to do. You make it Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis by Lee Sterling. Until then, until Super Bowl 56 is in the books, whose house? It's locked on Rams' house.